Richard Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. I identify as a transgender woman. I identify as a straight transgender female. There is no such thing as transgender. You're either XX or XY. But honestly, I don't really identify as human. I'm tired of being humanized for the comfort of other people. God made man male and female. That is determined genetically. That is physiology. That is science. That is reality. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio. The subject matter is not as dark and depressing as it might appear on the surface. In fact, I, courtesy of one Samuel Miller, would like to offer you an encouraging word if you are contemplating suicide. It's all the rage these days. But you need to know there ain't nothing new under the sun. People have, in the Bible taken their own lives, and back in the early 1800s, liberals, atheists, were arguing that it is actually good, meat, right, and salutary that people take their own lives. Samuel Miller, a preacher, wanted to respond to that trend, and he has an encouraging word. It is a hard word, but if you listen to his pastoral Puritan heart, you will hear an encouragement. Life in whatever configuration, is better than you taking your own life from every single aspect. And so while this subject matter, you perhaps are thinking, whew, it's a little dark. I hear a word of encouragement. Furthermore, as we will hear from Samuel Miller, a help to you if you know somebody who is on the brink. They are contemplating taking their own life some diagnoses. Why is it that people get to a point where they contemplate taking their own life? Please note, if you have lost a loved one to suicide, this is not an attempt to judge their eternity. Please don't hear that because Samuel Miller even admits, hey, there are people who are professing Christians who do commit the crime, that's his word, the crime of suicide and go to heaven. Now, he believes that we shouldn't be positive about that, that it does happen, but it's perhaps not as often as we would like to think it is. But indeed, he does concede people who commit suicide for whatever reason were genuinely born again because it is my position that you do not judge the state of somebody's eternity based on the last act of their life. You take a look at the totality of their Christian walk. No, were, were these people walking with the Lord? Was there fruit in keeping with repentance? And what were the circumstances surrounding this death? And so I do believe that we can offer a word of encouragement to those who lost professing believers through suicide. And Samuel Miller also offers that, but he also, even in that context, offers a strong word because he wants you to live. He doesn't want you to commit the crime of suicide. And so hopefully you will greet this really as an encouraging word. 
the guilt and folly of suicide. He claims it's a sin against God. We know that. It's a sin against human nature, against our fellow men, against the dictates of enlightened reason, and against all our interests and hopes beyond the grave. In other words, the person who takes their life, uh, there's, there's every reason for the survivors to ask the question, were they genuinely a believer? Please remember the aforementioned admission. There are those who are in heaven. Number one, to destroy our own lives is a sin against God because he's the author of our existence. He's the one who made us, knit us together in our mother's womb. He gave you your talents. He gave you life, property. It, it all comes from God. So when you take away your own life, it's a crime against God. To consider man as a creature independent. That's interesting, isn't it? That we're, we're just, we're, we, we, are, we aren't accountable to God. We aren't ac- accountable to society to friends and family, uh, it, it, it leads to depressed thoughts and more of an acceptance of the idea that it is okay if I take my life because it is my life and I want to go out on my terms. You hear that in the misnomer called assisted, uh, assisted suicide movement. You're not an island. The world tells you you are, but you're not an island. You're not free from the restraints of divine authority, at liberty to dispose of your own life, and talents without reference to the will of your creator. He calls it a practical atheism. It can only be cherished. This is a strong word. Please note, if, if you are one who has or is considering suicide, hear this, please. These thoughts can only be cherished by a heart radically hostile to God's character and government and secretly desirous to hurl him from his throne. If you do indeed have suicidal ideations, take a look at your relationship with your Lord. Are you living under his authority? By entertaining these thoughts, you need to understand you're basically telling him, get out of that chair. I'm going to sit there. Perhaps that alone might be enough for you to say, I need to banish these dark thoughts. Two, suicide is a sin against human nature. If there's a crime that may be called unnatural, this is emphatically that crime. It offers violence to the principle of self-preservation, which is innate and universal. So when you're considering taking your life, you're going against that thing inside of you that says, I don't want to die. You're, I know you haven't done it. You're contemplating it, though, and it goes against what God has put inside of you. It is inside the heart of every man that death is a passage that needs to be thoughtfully considered and assiduously avoided. It is a self-preservation, and by entertaining these thoughts, you're kicking against that 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 sense that God has placed inside of you. He then who breaks through these restraints, who surmounts that abhorrence of self-destruction, which the author of nature has so closely interwoven with every fiber of our constitution, is as great a monster in morals as an atheist in religion, or as the most hideous assemblage of deformities 
in animal nature. That's what you're thinking about doing. It offers insult to every just principle of human dignity because the human soul, it is important, and the human body, it is important. Number three, suicide is a sin against society. Your benevolent creator placed you in this world, and he has bound you to fellow human beings. The Bible teaches that. Nature teaches that. No man lives to himself or dies to himself. When such persons, regardless of all of the obligations which bind you to society, you're in, you are not an island. You're not a rock. You, you are a part of something bigger than yourself. You are woven into the fabric of society and human relation. That means you don't want to kick against that. You don't want to abandon the post at which you were placed. It deserves to be stigmatized as selfish, unsocial, and base. If you're contemplating suicide, that would be a very rude act against your fellow man. Instead of living to bless mankind by your example, by your instruction, by your beneficence, by your prayers, you meanly fly from the scene of labor and usefulness and attentive only to your own feelings. Rob your fellow man of all the benefits which it was in your power to confer by a patient course of piety and virtue. I know that you might be thinking to the contrary. I have nothing to offer. That is a lie. You wouldn't be here if you had nothing to offer. You are indeed needed in society. When such a one destroys his life, he not only deprives society of an important member and withholds from it the benefits which he might have bestowed, but he also inflicts a positive injury by displaying a mischievous example and by recommending the same practice to others. Don't do it. Quote, Say, miserable man, you are contemplating the crime of self-murder. Have you no parent? The evening of whose days by this crime would be embittered? What about your family? Or whose gray hairs would be brought down with sorrow to the grave? Have you no amiable partner of your life who would be precipitated by this step into the deepest affliction? Have you no children? who by your desertion would be left fatherless, motherless, and exposed to all the dangers of an unpitying world? Have you no brethren or sisters to share in the grief and the disgrace of your unworthy conduct? Are there no friends who love you, who would weep over your folly and sin and feel themselves wounded by your fall? Don't do it. Don't do it. Suicide does not just affect you. It, it, it kicks against God. It kicks against nature. It kicks against family and loved ones. And it calls into question the status of your soul. Don't do it. This is Wretched Radio. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms 
of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries, Preborn Ministries, and their network clinics. They are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb. When you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat, would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. All right, well, buckle up. Get ready. Road Trip to Truth Season 4 is back. Host John Fabara is also back this year. But what's different this year is he has a traveling companion. Our buddy Jake Ream is joining him on the Road Trip to Truth for Season 4. And this is not going to be your typical grandma's Bible study. No, 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 no. If any of our other seasons are any indication, you know exactly what you're in store for. Hard-hitting questions, controversial topics, and a heaping dose of biblical truth. Sin, death, atheism, racism, critical race theory, you name it, they're going to cover it this season, and they're not going to pull any punches while they're doing it. Get ready, because they're going to tackle the toughest issues facing Christians today from a solid biblical perspective. Road Trip to Truth Season 4, available for purchase now at wretched.org slash four. That's wretched.org slash F-O-U-R. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats. They get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Important dates in Christian history. 270 AD, a wealthy young man named Antony gives away his possessions and begins life as a hermit. Disciples follow his example, and the first monastic movement began. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What are the sources of suicide? This is Wretched Radio, not intending to be a downer, instead to be an encourager to encourage you, exhort you to live. And according to one Samuel Miller, to not be selfish. Would the execution of your wicked purpose disturb the peace of no family? Torture no bosom of sensibility and kindness? Would you defraud no creditor, plunge no friend into difficulty, rob no creature of advantage or enjoyment? No, your loss would harm others too. 
The consequences of such a step would extend beyond your conception and last longer than your memory. Stay then, guilty man. Stay your murderous hand. Extinguish not the happiness and the hopes of a family. Your family. Forbear to inflict wounds which no time can heal and which may tempt survivors to wish you had never been born. That is how much you affect others. You say, but nobody loves me. That is almost certainly not true. Let no one say, writes Samuel Miller, that he is useless in this world, that his life is of no value either to his relatives, to mankind, and thinking, I don't do any injury by taking my own life. If any man is really useless, it is his disgrace and his sin. But to think of justifying one crime by pleading that he has committed the previous one is wretched logic, detestable morality. The victim of depression. Isn't it fascinating? If you read this entire 33-page whopper from Samuel Miller in the early 1800s, the arguments that are being forwarded by the pro-suicide lot these days, exactly the same. Hey, some people, they just like to take control of their body and their circumstances and take the same arguments. Some people, they're just too depressed. Same arguments. He addresses all of them. The victim of depression and melancholy may sometimes think himself an unprofitable member of the community, a mere cumberer of the ground, when really your services are substantial and important. And even admitting that he is at present so afflicted, so infirm, so vicious, so degraded, or so unfavorably situated in any respect as to be useless has he lost every capacity of being otherwise in time to come? In other words, he's offering you hope. Things change. If this capacity is now lost, is every possibility of recovering it precluded? May not your infirmities be removed? The clouds which hang over you dissipated? Vices that are bringing you down repented of and abandoned? Your reputation restored don't be selfish and don't be so present thinking that you have no hope of the future now please note uh, future might be very difficult uh, shame isn't an easy thing um, ask, ask the that was the pastor jimmy that story i'm guessing you covered was he in florida or texas he was the mayor of a town and a pastor and he committed suicide because online he was uh, pretending to be a woman. Oh, I, I didn't see that. <sighs> so he took his own life. <sighs> He'd lost hope that, that somehow God could take his Job-like situation and resurrect it to something profitable for others. Don't do that. Don't follow that guy. It's a crime which sacrifices everything on the altar of individual feeling. It is a practice which reverses all the doctrines of social benevolence. The private enjoyment are to be regarded as more worthy objects than others' happiness. It is a crime of which even an atheist ought to be ashamed, but which the Christian should regard with peculiar abhorrence. 
Are you embarrassed of your circumstances? That mayor, pastor of First Baptist Church of whatever the town was, hey, living a double life, was outed. So he took his life. You're embarrassed in your circumstances. You've been robbed of your property by fraud. A disaster has taken place. You've been thrust from affluence into poverty. You, you, can't, you can't escape the pain. But before you take this dreadful and irrevocable step, pause a moment and answer the following. Is a large portion of property indispensably necessary to happiness? Have not thousands been contented and happy with a small pittance uh, that which you yet possess? Have not some found more real enjoyment after being thus reduced than they found in the days of their wealth and prosperity? Was not the Savior of the world without a place to lay his head? And has he not by his example made poverty and sufferings honorable? It is a miserable estimate, an ignoble alternative. Live and exhibit the sublime, the edifying spectacle of one struggling with want and holding fast to his integrity. We need to remember we're a part of something bigger. It is the world that says you've got to be a celebrity. That's the ideal. That makes you happy. Ask Matthew Perry. Ask Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley. It doesn't. It is a lie. God has you where he wants you and where he desires to use you. And you say, but that's a hard road. Yep. And he's chosen it just for you. Don't cop out. Don't abandon ship. Do your duty. It's important or God wouldn't have you here. God wouldn't have taken the effort to knit you together in your mother's womb. Live. You, you, you say you just do not understand, perhaps. But it isn't my empathy or sympathy that should propel you to remain living. It's God. Don't abandon ship. Live. And by a course of worthy actions, endeavor to retrieve your character. Live and testify by your future conduct that you are neither irreclaimable nor unprincipled. Are you sure that miserable as your present state may be, that you, you're sure that death won't land you in greater misery? This is, this is, this is a threat. In that prison of eternal despair, where the worm doesn't die, where the fire isn't quenched, and where the heaviest calamities of this life will sink into nothing when compared with that torment, that, that's what you are jeopardizing. Samuel Miller said it, I echo it, that there are indeed people who have committed suicide who go to heaven. Here's what he said. Can we entertain no hope of the final salvation of one who destroys his own life? This is a question which it ill becomes a blind and erring mortal to decide. It is possible that a child of God may be so far under his power of mental derangement as to rush into the presence of his father. 
I believe that instances of this kind have sometimes occurred. And if so, concerning the salvation of such persons, no doubt can be entertained. There you have it. But, he continues, it may be questioned on very solid ground whether a real Christian, in the exercise of his reason, ever became his own executioner. So please don't hear that you could be a true believer and therefore it's okay to take your life because you're going to go to heaven anyway. Perhaps. But there is valid ground for those of us you left behind to be concerned. Well, don't let that thought escape you. Let those inclined, this is Samuel Miller, to adopt a more favorable opinion, ponder well that solemn declaration, no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. How small then is the proportion of self-murderers for whom we can cherish the least hope beyond the grave. When men leave the world in an act of daring and deliberate rebellion against God, distrusting his providence, agitated by the worst of passions and the trampling upon of all the obligations which bind you to your creator and fellow man, how can charity herself avoid considering them as strangers from the covenants of promise? and weeping over them as children of perdition. You say, that's a threat. Yes, it is. But it's an encouraging threat to not do what you are currently thinking is the only wise resolution to your current situation. And this is why we, we need to be letting our kids know before they enter into this state of black dogs howling on their chest. God has you where he wants you. You're not the most popular kid at school. God has you where he wants you. You're, you're not wealthy in society. You're not famous. You're not good looking. God has you where he wants you. Do not take your own life. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, you just can't make this stuff up, folks. The city of Philadelphia has unequivocally declared that abortion, it's a fundamental human right. Right alongside things like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Although the last time I checked, abortion ends human life rather than upholds it. The city said this was part of their effort to become a 21st century city. Well, nothing says progress like legalizing the destruction of innocent life, I guess, right, Philadelphia? Uh, what's next? Bank robbery, a civil liberty? The mental gymnastics would be impressive if the stakes weren't so high. In other news, a Democratic representative from the state of Texas made some eyebrow-raising comments about black voters recently. Representative Jasmine Crockett condescendingly claimed that black voters are becoming disillusioned with President Biden because, well, feelings are dictating their reality. She said they just don't understand how government works. Nothing like thinly veiled racism from your own party. You know, people can actually think for themselves and come to reasonable conclusions like, I don't know. Biden's probably not the best person to be running this country. I don't think skin color has anything to do with coming to that conclusion. Well, shifting gears now, it seems like the Australian Labor Party wants the government to reach even further into private life. Recently introduced legislation would require smart TVs to display government-funded news ahead of any other content. So propaganda on every screen. 
That seems fun, doesn't it? If you live in Australia, you might want to dust off the old rabbit ears. On to the culture wars, a transgender athlete named Castor Semenya recently competed on behalf of South Africa in the Commonwealth Games. Semenya was born as a male, but now identifies as a female. In an interview, Semenya claimed, My particular male parts don't make me any less of a woman. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. That's not an identical quote. I'm just not going to say the identical quote. But the last time I checked, those particular parts are exclusively male anatomy. So, yeah, they do make you not a woman at all. Can we just get back to reality, folks? Finally, the journalists over at the Rolling Stones recently uncovered a real scandal. Apparently, Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson uses accountability software to protect his family from pornography. That is ridiculous. That's horrifying. Good on the man for taking the steps to guard his home. I mean, pornography wrecks lives, it wrecks marriages and cultures when left unchecked. We should be glad that we finally have someone leading by example. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the Physician. Jesus healed many physical ailments during His ministry on earth. When He comes again, He will put an end to death and disease and give us spiritual bodies to last for eternity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No, I am not changing the subject, and you should not be changing the dial, especially if you are younger. This is Wretched Radio. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among kids between the ages of 10 and 14. Between the ages of 25 and 34, the third leading cause of death. Did you know there are twice as many suicides in America as homicides? Did you know that 700,000 people will take their own lives this year on our planet? In other words, it's a big deal. And if you're contemplating it, stop. Find a loved one. You have one. Tell them what is going on. You can have a brighter day. Even if the sun doesn't shine, you will still have light because God will give you the peace that surpasses all understanding to take you through to a brighter eternal day. Don't take your own life. And if you know somebody who's considering this, you know younger people. We do well to heed Samuel Miller. He was a Puritan pastor who lived between 1769 and 1850, writing about the subject of suicide, explaining why so many people do it. The first reason won't surprise you. Suicide may be traced to false principles in religion and morals, and he tackles both the atheist and the false convert. That the atheist, of course, has, has a bleak worldview. It is a nihilistic worldview. We are worm food. It is hopeless and bleak. Shouldn't surprise us that atheists take their own lives, but Christians? And he warns, if, if you are one of those people contemplating suicide, 
Are you sure you're a genuine convert? This isn't to be critical or nitpicky. It's to perhaps help you trace the source of your ideations. Number two, another source, an early and excessive indulgence in the pleasures of life. Perhaps you have decided the world was right and you listen to them tell you to seek whatever brings you pleasure. And now you're miserable. We shouldn't be surprised. When worldly pleasures become our chief business, the grand object of pursuit, they never fail to disappoint themselves and defeat their own purpose. The most exquisite gratification, when frequently repeated and carried to excess, palls upon the sense. The capacity for enjoying it diminishes with each inordinate repetition. And when indulgence is carried even further, it produces disgust and loathing. Have you, have, have you found yourself in that descent? Perhaps with pornography? Perhaps with alcohol? Drugs? Whatever it is, it promises, yes, this is what makes me happy. But you're only more miserable. And, and it can be something as innocuous as food. It calls out, eat me, you'll feel better. And you do, and you don't, do you? Perhaps it's cutting. It tells you that, that, that this will distract you from your internal turmoil. And perhaps it does for a moment, but then it returns with a vengeance. Why? Because sin is never satisfied. It always lies. And Samuel Miller has a word for you, my young friends. He who makes haste to enjoy life may spread happiness into wild luxuriance may appear for a time to have enviable felicity. But you're overdrawing from that fund of enjoyment, which would exhilarate your following years. You're exhausting radical vigor. Your cheerful temperament, it's going. And all that can be expected after a little while is languor and weariness of life. Isn't that what Solomon concluded, tried it all. I'm so miserable. Number three reason many take their own lives. A habit of intemperate drinking frequently leads to weariness of life, despair, and suicide. And by the way, the same thing holds true with pot. If you're smoking the marijuana, don't expect it to lead to a good end. It will lead to more misery. It's probable a large portion of the suicides, this is Samuel Miller, which occur are directly or remotely connected with this species of intemperance. Yes, you have biblical permission to consume alcoholic beverages. You do. But maybe hearing this word from Samuel Miller and his experience in a time in American history when suicide was probably just as popular as it is today states, maybe it's because you started drinking. You thought you could control it, but you can't. Number four, another habit which frequently leads to the crime of suicide, gaming. It takes possession of the mind. It becomes a habit. One of the most unrelenting and cruel tyrants that ever held in subjection a miserable slave it dazzles but to deceive. It flatters but to trample under feet. It allures but to destroy. 
It undermines every virtuous principle to harden the heart and to convert him once abhorred duplicity and fraud into a determined villain. That's that's what gambling will do for you. You say, well, I don't go to the casinos. Do you do the online stuff? Do you do the, the football gaming? Careful. It's It could be a gateway for you. Be wise. Be prudent. Be smart. You don't want to go down that road. And I, I get it. Here's, here's the tendency, especially if you're younger. That won't happen to me. Well, it does. And you don't want to roll those dice. No pun intended. Suicide, number five, is frequently produced by the indulgence of criminal love. And he's talking about uh, unnatural relations between men and men and women and women. It corrupts the whole moral character. It pollutes the imagination, produces depravity and misery, hardens the heart, cherishes duplicity, selfishness, falsehood, meanness, and the tyranny of appetite. It perpetuates disease, destroys the peace of families, vitiates and convulses the social system, degrades the reputation, and embarrasses the worldly circumstances of its votaries, entails infamy and is misery on the people who survive you and brings multitudes to untimely graves. Not a very popular word these days, but a warning if you're entertaining those thoughts or practices. Number six, men are frequently driven to weariness of life and suicide by, here it comes, habits of idleness. You're being told, be a quiet quitter. Work to live. Work-life balance. Be careful. Because if you seek an imbalance of idleness, you can have some idleness at your discretion. But if that's your main pursuit, careful, you could be on the road to depression and anxiety. This is fascinating insight. Activity is the parent of health. Vivacity, being vibrant and alive and enjoyment. Don't let the world tell you to quietly quit. Get to work and work harder than anybody else in your office or warehouse or factory. You'll be happier. You might be dog tired, but it'll be a satisfying tired. It tends to keep the mind awake, serene and cheerful. It confers on the animal feelings all the luxuries of vigorous and healthful sensation. It guards the affections from a thousand vain and irregular wanderings and contributes to our physical, intellectual and moral welfare. On the other hand, idleness like a slow and deadly poison preys upon the faculties of man. It enfeebles and paralyzes the understanding, weakens the memory. It clouds and darkens the imagination. It lays open the mind to the incursions of criminal desire. It invites the inroads of temptation. It diminishes and then gradually destroys that state of healthful, and pleasurable sensation in which so much of our enjoyment consists. You run to idleness because, oh, it's going to make me happy. It does not. It can give you a respite. Yes, it can give your brain some downtime. It's okay. But when you're pursuing that for the sake of happiness, you're not going to find it. You're going to find the opposite. Misery. It brings on languid feelings, low spirits, hypochondriacal affections. Maybe I'm... I, I got a disease. My head is, could it be a tumor? 
and a complication of bodily and mental tortures which frequently render their subjects more miserable than the slave who labors in chains. Idle people enjoy nothing. He knows not how to dispose of himself. Everything is dull and uninteresting. If you're in the state of dullness, everything is uninteresting. Life is like that, that girl singing that song uh, that she's like a little bug. Get busy. Do stuff. Volunteer. Get another job. Get, get gainful employment. Do things. Employment, 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 writes Miller. This is the grand panacea for weariness of life that you are idle. If you're idle, you're in danger. Get on it. This is Wretched Radio. If you happen to be staring down the health insurance barrel and you are groaning because you're going to have to figure out what do we do? Can we change? What do we get in November when it's open enrollment month? That barrel can be removed because every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Would you please call them if you're dealing with the health insurance blues? (laughs) Please Take two minutes out of your day and give them a call at 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's affordable biblical health sharing. Average family saves $500 per month. Average. Their ratings, high, teledocs. Please check out MediShare by calling them, finding out how much your family will save. Or you can visit MediShare.com slash wretched, MediShare.com slash wretched, where every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. As someone who listens and consumes our content on a regular basis, you've probably experienced the impact that our programs like Wretched, Road Trip to Truth, and Transform can have on your life and the life of those you share them with. But did you know that we also rely on the support of our listeners just like you, not only to listen to our content, but also with help in producing our content. Your generous donations help us to reach more people with the gospel. That's why we're asking you to prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Your support can make a huge difference in our ability to continue our mission and to reach more people with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. So would you consider it? Would you prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner? If you're ready to stand firm with us, just visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word Wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. If you are one of the people who supported our joint effort with the Masters Academy International to get Bibles into the hands of people, you're going to hear a thank you letter from May that perhaps will encourage you that what you did was a very good and lasting thing. I'm one of the recipients of the MacArthur Study Bible, so generously given with the help of Gospel Partners. This will help me in my daily study of God's Word and will inform, instruct, inspire me in my walk with the Lord as well as my service to the Lord in my family and my church ministries. How encouraging is that? By the way, if you're not plugged into the Masters Academy International, everything is about long-lasting impact. They train pastors in 18, 19 countries and many seminaries around the globe so that pastors can fill empty pulpits and preach. That makes a generational difference. You can learn more about the Masters Academy at wretched.org Bible, or if you prefer, wretched.org 
pastor. Names of God. One name the Bible gives to God is the Greek word despotes, which means absolute ruler. Despotes is related to the English word despot. As absolute ruler, God has ownership rights over all mankind. Yet our Master and Lord Jesus Christ became a man, suffered and died on the cross for his people. The absolute ruler is also our example of ultimate humility. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Please meet your object of idleness. This is Wretched Radio. I know this guy over the weekend claims he didn't have a car, couldn't go anywhere, sits in the house all day <laughs> thinking, well, I'll just take a longer respite than usual. Jimmy, do you know that fellow? You talking about me, Cletus? <laughs> And how did it make you feel to be a bum all day? Miserable. I, that happened Saturday. I was telling you earlier that happened Saturday. I, I went downstairs into my basement. I don't hang out there often. That's where my office is. I went downstairs to do some work, came up. Everybody was gone. And I didn't have a car to go anywhere. So I hung around the house all day. And I told my wife on Sunday morning, I will not sit here all day today. But there was football. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Didn't cut it? Uh, not not so much these days. Did you watch it? I did. I did. A little bit. But, I mean, I was up and down. That I just can't. Be idle. No. It's bad for us. Yeah. And and if, if you are being very idle and you are thinking that this is a pattern and lifestyle that is best for you, well, then you're currently deceived. It's not. We're workers. We're, we're the people who get things done. Why? Because we're image bearers of God. And if you are perpetually idle or a lot, or you've been persuaded by the world, just chill. You deserve a break today. And you have decided to kind of unplug from work or school or church. You're making a very big mistake. It does not lead to your flourishing. It leads to your demise and potentially towards suicidal ideations. That is one of the reasons that Samuel Miller, a Puritan who lived through 1850, cites as being one of the reasons that so many people are suicidal, that they're, they're quiet quitters. The constant employment of our time in some useful and interesting pursuit is not only one of the best guards of virtue, but next to religion, the surest source of happiness, the best defense of health and life. And isn't it fascinating that our world who loves death tells you the exact opposite? Chill, man. Slow down. Smell the coffee. Don't work. Don't work your fingers to the bone. All you get is bony fingers. Quietly quit. It is a recipe for misery. Uh, there are more reasons so many people take their own lives. According to Samuel Miller, those of violent passions which terminate, frequently terminate in suicide. Here it comes. Cherishing immoderate desires and aims with regard to this world. In other words, you are seeking the stuff the world tells you is going to bring fulfillment. It could be idleness, but he's moved on from that into worldly things like money, 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 stuff, fame, fortune, a perfect body. You seek after worldly things 
You're going to be miserable. Do not pursue the things of this world. John wasn't talking about created order. We're talking about worldviews and ideologies, philosophies and false religions. Don't pursue them. I, 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 I know. Let me do this positively. If you're younger, you're a teenager, you're in your 20s, early 30s, you're doing well to endure this diatribe. You're doing well. Keep going. Keep, keep rejecting what the world is offering you. Just tell them, no sale. There's a better way. Millions, perhaps billions of people would testify that following God's laws and precepts out of gratitude for our love for the Savior who worked very hard for us, sacrificed, well, his own life for us is the happy way. Consider Psalm 1. Happy is the man, blessed is the man who considers God's statutes. It's, it's nothing but a fountain of blessings. Does it happen necessarily immediately? No. Not necessarily, might, but it will come. It will come. In that video that we did last Friday on the subject of gossip, there is, I'm, I, I wish I could describe the sensation of keeping a confidence. When, I, when I've talked to they've shared something, and they didn't even say, don't tell anybody, but you know that it, they don't want that broadcast. And you're talking to somebody about that somebody. You sure could share it. There it is. But out of love for that person, uh, out of fear of the Lord's chastisement, out of gratitude that Jesus was never a gossip, uh, you keep it. You keep a confidence. It feels good. You can't buy that at Home Depot. You can't even get it at Amazon. They will not deliver it to your door. That feeling of, I did what was right and more noble that only comes from submitting and surrendering to God's precepts and principles for life. Remember our motive. Remember our model. Jesus never gossiped. Jesus never slandered. Jesus would keep a confidence. That's why the disciples didn't know it was Judas who was going to betray him. Let's follow in his footsteps. You will be happier. Number eight, the last source of the crime of suicide is the lack of sincere and vital piety. This, this, is, this is the one who recognizes should be striving for godliness, studying my Bible more, being more obedient, understands that, but doesn't do it. So you, you've got a lack of piety. You, you aren't disciplining yourself. To, to growing in a more godly way where the life and the power of Christianity are wanting, wanting rather, where its doctrines are studied only as beautiful speculations and its consolations regarded only as pleasing theories, who can rationally look for that divine efficacy which strengthens and consoles, it cannot be found if that describes you. And that's a warning, by the way. That's, that's a warning. Look, we want our kids to be doing these things because they want to. But mom and dad, we need to be doing everything to encourage it, that they develop piety. Furthermore, mom and dad, we need to guard ourselves, don't we? Do you love theology? Do you love reading Puritan 
techno technological lectures on the insides and outsides of different ponderances about the minds of mind of God. Be careful, because when theology is only an exercise that we just enjoy, we're not going to get the fruit of it. That, that stuff needs to drive us to desire to be obedient. Why? Because we've learned more about our amazing God. So if if you like I have a propensity to just love the study of this stuff. It's, uh, I find it fun. I mean, I, Jimmy, I bet you do too. Oh, yeah, I like do. Studying like, oh, man, look at that treatment of pneumatology. Way better than watching college football on a Saturday. Am I right about that? <laughs> That's actually what I did Saturday. See, it's just, <laughs> it's just something that we just bought, but, but, but if it is not growing us in love for the Lord, it's dead letter. It is just dead letter. And we might end up in the same suicidal place. That's what Samuel Miller is warning about. Hear it, formalists. A theoretical religion may enable you to converse plausibly on the subject of your faith or appear with credit in a circle of polemics. But what will it avail you in the day of adversity and sorrow? When earthly comforts forsake, when the demon of despondency assails and darkens the mind in that day, the man who has nothing more than orthodox opinions to arm against temptation may be expected to sink under its power. Be careful, mom and dad. But to the young friends, he says this. To the sons and daughters of affliction, Samuel Miller, to the sanctuary of religion, let me cordially and affectionately invite you Nothing human can afford you adequate relief. Nothing earthly can give you effectual and permanent consolation. Friends may soothe and smile, but they can't pour the oil of gladness into your troubled breasts. Prosperity may glitter and decorate, but it cannot cure the wounds of the heart. Honors may dazzle and inflate, but they cannot nourish the hungry soul. You can ask a thousand celebrities. Take refuge. In the grace of the gospel, come, children of discontent and sorrow, who are weary and heavy laden, come to the Savior and he will give you rest. Embrace the truth fully that is in Jesus and live under its sanctifying power Then, instead of flying to the hateful instruments of death, when calamity strikes, you'll have a covenant God and Father to whose gracious throne you may repair with boldness and affectionate confidence, then you will possess the privilege to rejoice in tribulation, knowing that tribulation works patience, patient experience, experience hope, and hope does not make you ashamed. And when death arrives, whether he comes in the form of sudden violence or wasting disease, he'll be a messenger of peace and introduce you to a kingdom where there is no more sin, sorrow, crying, or pain and the former things will have passed away. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>